Hello and welcome to the Trauma Talks podcast, a podcast where we examine different experiences of trauma and how it affects people's day-to-day lives. We speak to experts through experience and experts in the field and share coping strategies for managing life after trauma, presented by myself, Jeremy Sachs. And me, Catherine Cox. In this episode, we'll be talking about trauma experienced by detainees within the prison system, looking at some of the common themes, and in a moment we'll be joined by a panel of guests who are experts through experience on the subject. In this podcast, we won't be going into intimate details about the traumatic events. It's intended to be informative, educational, and supportive. However, it is not a therapeutic intervention, and it's really important that if you think listening to the show could be upsetting or triggering to you, that you look after yourself. This could be by listening with a cup of tea. Listen to it with a friend or loved one. Make sure there's a puppy handy to pet. Or listen to it in small chunks, remembering to stop when you need to take a break. Now, the show itself splits into three parts naturally, so there's plenty of space for a cup of tea, a bourbon biscuit, or even a scone and jam. One thing to bear in mind about this particular subject is that prisons are a traumatic experience for some, but for others they may not be. There are a multitude of different variables in play that can lead to people experiencing a one-off traumatic event in prison, or the whole experience can create a sustained level of compounding trauma. Now because of this complexity, myself and Catherine are working to this definition of trauma. When a person finds themselves in a situation that they are completely overwhelmed by, the resources they have to protect and manage themselves are exceeded by the situation they are in. This can be a one-off event or a sustained period of time. In the support groups me and Catherine run at Survivors UK, we start with a check-in. It's two minutes for members of the group to communicate how they're feeling, take stock of their week, uh, focus on the conversations that are about to happen and settle into the session. We're joined today by two guests who are experts through experience, Brenda and Steve. And I wonder, by way of introduction, if we could do a short check-in to see whether trauma has influenced your week or not so much. Brenda, do you mind going first? Hello, everybody. Hi. To be honest, I feel like my week has been okay, but I think it's easy for me to say that everything's okay, but I also have friends and family that are still in prison now, and the way it affects me is when I know their week is not going well, based on a simple fact that I've been in jail and I know just a simple application can lead to like oh my god like what the hell is going on um it also has affected me in that way because I'm like oh god you're in prison I'm here and I still can't do enough for you so Mm. it is kind of affecting me in a way but I guess dealing with it in my way is just writing things out and just making sure those emotions on my end are kind of out instead of like back in the day when I used to kind of keep them all locked inside me and hope that they will never come out. How about you, Steve? <clears throat> Hi, everyone. I, I have to say trauma about being in prison and, and, and the aftermath and, and and all of that um, never really goes away and anything can sort of trigger it um, from seeing somebody around town who I used to be friends with to to anything. So it's it's always the unexpected and it's how I deal with that really and um one happened today when I happened to be looking to check I'd had my flu jab on my medical records and found that somebody had written um when I was in prison um uh is currently serving two years for whatever 
and um, that really shocked me. And um, I know that I can get my notes changed and that can be removed, but it it washed over me um, in quite a traumatic way. And I was quite surprised um, by that today. But I just, I, I suppose I did what... Um, what Brenda was just talking about, I sort of vocalised it, and I um I was able to come here and tell Catherine all about it. So that really <laughs> helped. Um, failing which, I would have probably gone home and talked about it with my with my wife. But sort of that's my way is to try and vocalise things. Thank you to you both. That was really informative. And I guess one of the things that seems to be an aspect of coming out of prison that can really impact on somebody is that shift from who you felt you were on the outside and then who are you, that question of who am I when I'm in prison. And then again, Steve, you were saying that feeling when you're back out of prison. I don't know if either of you want to comment more on that. Okay, I'll be honest. Like Before I went to jail, I never, ever pictured me ever even having to go inside a prison for any reason whatsoever. And I always kind of was very judgmental towards my friends who was getting arrested left, right and centre because I was like, well, what do you mean? You just get, you just enjoy this, don't you? Um, and then when I went to jail, all of a sudden now I'm this person that is in prison. Everything has changed. Um, I'm still trying to find out who I am. If I really am the person I was before I went, am I crazy? Am I just a violent person? Am I just an angry person, can I ever be saved? Like there were so many questions that I asked myself and I found that when I got out, I started having issues where like, say something goes wrong, I would be like, well, maybe I should just go back to prison. Now, never in my life had I ever said, oh, well, I stress. I'm so stressed out, I should go to prison. Never before I went to jail. And then all of a sudden, now that I've come out, when things weren't going right, my family seems like they're not understanding me or like I've gone into a shop and the shopkeeper's said something and I argue back with a shopkeeper and the police come and they're like, oh, it's you. Da, 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 da. Like all of a sudden I'm this person. So that like, for me, it became something where I remember a situation where I'd had a complete breakdown and I literally got on the bus. My Either my Oyster card or my travel card had run out on that. Like, it was like after two o'clock or four o'clock or whatever time it runs out. And I said to the bus driver, like, come on, I'm only going four stops. Please don't do this. Like, I'm really stressed out. And you could see I was in tears. Um, and he called the police. And when he called the police, I was like, oh, well, thank God the police are here. Like, just send me away. It's fine. Come on, let's go. And they were like, even the police, um, which is interesting for me to say as an ex-offender, like, they were very nice, actually, because they kept saying to me, we don't really want to arrest you. We understand that you look like you've been through a lot today. And, you know, and I was like, no, it's fine. I've been to jail. You know, I've been there already. Just take me back. I probably need a break. My family's sick of me. I'm sick of them. You know, and I remember them like just trying to understand me. And then it got to the point where I was like, what do I do to get them to arrest me? And I remember like the next day sitting in my house, still kind of angry that they never arrested me. Like, what's wrong with these police officers? Why don't they just send me away? And it's taken me a long time to actually realize that I don't need to go back to jail to have that time out you know and this is why we have so many people that get so sick and tired of what's happening on the outside that they see going back to jail as like a little kind of community a way to kind of take yourself away from the dramas that you have in the real world mm. so it's just it's just because I immediately take offense not you, you said it but at the words ex-offender yeah because right. I don't like the word Offending? Who am yeah. I offending? Mm. Um, so I've always used um, either ex-prisoner 
or um, a person who used to be in prison. It's very long-winded, mm. but I just, I don't like XFL. I think it's because it dogs you for the entirety of your life. Mm. But that's the identity that I now have, which is completely different from the identity that I had before. Um, you know, I was, a, in inverted commas, upper working class, made good, middle class lawyer, da-da-da, all of these things. And I was the goody two-shoes and thought of myself in those terms and didn't like being in trouble. And sort of the systemic change from my previous identity of this very respectable person to this person who went away who just hid away for the months that he was there. And that's, that's what I did. I didn't get involved in anything. I just hid. And then to just to survive. Mm. And then you come out and you are, I was, I'm, I am completely different. I, my eyes are open in a different way. In some ways for the better, because you think there are people that I was friends with and who helped me cope, who I would never have had mm. that experience with in my little cosseted world. And I'm grateful for that. At the same time, the person that went into prison who had, you know, hundreds of friends and a big social life, that's gone. That is mm. completely gone. And I have a very, very narrow life now. And when I think about it, we talk about trauma. Mm. Even when I think about it, 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 it wells up and it, mm. it gives me, a, it's like a PTSD trigger. Mm -hmm. So if I think about it in those things and, uh, you know, I'm co I, I constantly have these conversations with people in my head where... I confront them and say, well, you never gave me the chance to even talk to you yeah. and because you just turned your back. You never once contacted me. You just turned your back. Mm -hmm. All these years of friendship, you just turned your back. But actually, that's where I've got to build my life from is, is this narrowness now. My whole identity went in literally in three stages from before, during and after. And there are completely three separate people. Mm. And always will be now. And those transitions, they're not how our personalities and identities change, you know, in, in normal, healthy environments. They are massive shocks to the system, massive traumas to the system, um, you know, that takes you from one environment into a completely separate environment that you wouldn't have any sort of preconceptions of or understanding of. And then at the point where you, I mean maybe not climatized, but at a point where um, you start to understand that, then leaving it into a whole new sort of world, which which sounds quite hostile, another hostile, lonely world. It is, and as Brenda will say, is you can't, you never relax because you're, it's, it's a constantly changing thing. You're either being moved or you're moving cells or you're moving wings or you're moving prisons or you're mo So you're, you, you're just when you think, oh, okay... I'm sort of in my routine here. Yeah. Then, then the next, the next thing happened. So you, it's just constant mini traumas yeah. of of all that anxiety. And I've got, oh God, I've got to make friends. I've got to keep my head again. down. I've got to, got to do yeah. this again, again and again. You know. And I had a massive talk about meltdown. I had a massive one when they moved me to an open prison. Yeah. Because it was. Um, I they, they they panicked me because they said, oh, well, seventy five percent are sex offenders. And you've got to find your own cellmate. You've got to find your own padmate, as they call them. And I didn't know anyone. And you're thinking, well, who do you... I mean, not that I'm... Yeah, but uh, who but, would but you... Who, do you, who yeah. do you... And so I just... That was my first day. And I just completely had a breakdown. Yeah. And they shipped me back. It's mad. There's something I'm thinking 
back about the definition of trauma that we use, that the resources that you have to protect and manage yourself are exceeded by the situation that you're in. Mm. And it just sounds like you go into prison and all the resources, internal and external, that you would normally hold on to to manage yourself are taken away. Yeah, it is that though. Like, I mean, even talking about therapy and resources that are meant to be available, especially in a place like prison, I feel like it's the worst form of therapy ever. Like, you know, I told all my friends that if they send me to jail, I'm going to be like a hard girl. I'm going to camera in my hair. I'm going to be a bad girl. No one's touching me. But then when I got there, the seriousness of it, I did camera in my hair, but I was still like, I can't do it. Like, I can't mm. do this. And I remember making threats like, I'm just going to end it, you know. And once you make threats like that, they put you on like the suicide watch and stuff. And so people were coming and looking at me. They shine this light, which is very interesting that you're on suicide watch and they're making sure you're alive. But in the middle of the night, they come and shine this big, bright torch. So if you've just fallen asleep, finally, after stressing mm. that you couldn't mm, sleep, yeah, yeah. they now shine this light and then you're like sitting up for like God knows how many hours because now you can't get back to sleep. <laughs> and I remember actually being given, I don't know if it's like a psychologist or therapist or someone to talk to. Um, and I just didn't want to talk to her. I remember sitting there the first session and she was trying to get all this information out of me. And I just thought, you've got my paperwork, it's all there, like, why do I need to repeat it? And she kept trying to dig, 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 until I think the fourth session or whatever, I told everything, I, I broke down and I was like, I think I was holding on to so much and I eventually just kind of vomited out all these words. And um, she was like, this is interesting, I'm so sorry to hear that, but um, I'm leaving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm leaving and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand all your paperwork over to the next person that's coming into the prison. I remember just sitting there going to her like, did you not know you was leaving? The four weeks that you've been poking and proning to get all this information, did you not know that you was going to leave? Because surely that's something you know beforehand. Um, and she was like, yeah, I know, but I just didn't want to. I was like, no, what you have done is made me more vulnerable than I was four weeks ago. You know, because now you have all this information about me. You're leaving. I don't know where you're going to take it. She's like, oh, confidentiality. And I was like, I don't believe that. Like, I just don't because you should have just waited. And I remember after that, they did try to offer me therapy and I just said no. It took me a long time to actually trust and have a therapist and be able to talk to them. Now I talk to them, like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like when are you next free? Like, yeah. when, like you know, like, but, you know, before that it was like, no, I don't need it. Mm. So it is, it's just... Wherever I went, they didn't have anyone. So we didn't have any. This is what I'm saying. The, the day before I went away, I was having daily counselling with a social yeah. worker because of my mental health to yeah. go away to then have nothing and then you talk about coping and it was just that's I suppose that was the thing I realized how strong I was and, yeah. and that's what yeah. you ultimately yeah. much as I had all these things happen you look at yeah you find some sort of inner strength it certainly doesn't sound like that your experiences in prison provided you with any external resources no. you've had to find that and I guess I'm really struck by <coughs> the way in which you both have integrated your prison experience into your lives now through um, campaigning or um, feeling very strongly about the rights of people with mental health problems in prison and and trying to put it to a constructive end. But I can also imagine that that's pretty challenging. We'll be hearing from you again shortly. But for the next part of our podcast, we're going to send Jeremy into the field to meet an expert in trauma and the justice system. I'm really excited to be here with our expert in the field, Kelly Gleason. You facilitate the Healing Trauma Programme to women in a women's prison. 
Many of these women will have experienced abuse and trauma from dysfunctional or violent relationships. The programme focuses on strategies to enable individuals to heal from past traumas and offer hope for the future. You're also trained in Adverse Childhood Experience, or ACE, trauma training, enabling you to facilitate the ACE programme to adults and children who have experienced adverse experiences. On top of this, you're also currently at the minute serving a five-year prison sentence. Um, welcome and thank you so much for agreeing to join us. No, thank you for the invite. <laughs> um, we met through the Prison Reform Trust, who you also work for. Could you start us off by telling me a little bit about the Prison Reform Trust and what you do there? Yeah, so I started here about eight months ago um, and I started on the advice and information team. Um, that's a lot of um, advice to prisoners that are serving sentences mm -hmm. around their rights in prisons, prison rules, um, often a lot of calls from people that are extremely distressed. Mm -hmm. So we do make a lot of safeguarding calls to prisons, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of people calling that self-harming, um, that are suicidal, etc. Mm -hmm. So yeah, quite often it's, it's making contact with uh, safer custody teams within the prison, making contact with healthcare professionals, even governors at times, yeah. just to try and get something in place to get these people the help and the support they need. That sounds fantastic. I've kind of moved on from that though. Oh, have you? Yes, I have. <laughs> so I've been really, really fortunate mm. to um, to get a job as an administrator on a brand new project, which is called the Building Futures Project. Okay. And this is going to be working with and researching people serving sentences of 10 years and more. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Very early stages. We're, into, we're in the first week. There's not too, too much to tell at the minute, other than everyone's really excited. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, as Prison Reform Trust does, it makes a difference. So it's a watch for space kind yeah. of scenario. Yeah, it okay. really is. We'll have to check in with you a few months oh, down the yeah. line to try and yeah, to see do. how that is. So in the studio, our panel of experts through experience were talking about traumatic experiences that they came across while serving their time in prison. In your opinion, is a custodial sentence always traumatic? And if not, what do you think protects those who are not traumatised by their time in prison? In my opinion, I think, especially in the women's estate, um, it is always a traumatic experience. Mm. You know, your, your freedom's taken away, um, you're scared. You've, a lot of women have come from uh, relationships where they're, they're being controlled, they're, mm. you know, their partners are being violent to them, they're being sexually exploited, um, homelessness, substance misuse, etc. Mm. They're then coming into prison. Um, they don't really have a say, they don't have a voice. It's quite a scary environment, mm. um, especially if people have been through trauma with banging of doors and yeah. screaming, noisy. So I've not really came across anyone that's not been traumatised by prison. And then as well, the fact that women are taken away from their children, mm. you know, the families, women often sort of run the home. Um, yeah, I think that traumatises them and then has an effect on the children that are traumatised, mm. you know, from losing mum. And I suppose from what you're saying, if somebody is in a relationship that is abusive, that they mm. don't have their own agency, they don't have control over their sense of self and their life, to then go from that environment into another environment like prison where they also don't have control and freedom over their own life. That's 
just a compounding sense of trauma one on top of another. Absolutely, yeah, Yeah. it really is. And you did ask then um, about people that may not be traumatised by it. I I wouldn't say they may not be traumatised. However, prison can also feel like a safe place for people. Right. Because they're taken away from the violence Mm. and the sex work, etc., and it's it's like a safe place because nobody can get to you and, and hurt you. Yeah. So, yeah, people often say that. Our panel talked a lot about changes to their identity. So from being somebody on the outside, then going into a prison and then afterwards coming out of the prison, how those transitions shifted their identity. How do you think a custodial sentence can impact someone's identity and might the impact on somebody's identity sometimes be positive? Yeah, I mean, again, with what I've just said before, um, people that go into prison, they lose their identity as a mother. You know, they lose their identity, they lose their homes, Mm. um, their jobs, you know, the contacts with the community, because people can become quite judgmental, don't they, if Mm. they don't know the background of why somebody's gone into prison. Um, But then, on a positive, people might get back their identity, Mm. become that person they were before the abuse started, before they experienced trauma, um, became homeless, started taking substances or alcohol. Mm. Um, Yeah, so it it can be a sort of negative, but a positive, you know. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's not as black and white as it being something that's Mm. good or bad. There's, There's shades in that. I suppose, what advice would you give somebody who has had a history of trauma and who has just received a custodial sentence? I think to definitely keep themselves safe, um, to seek help from the professionals within the prison. Mm. So, you know, you'll, you'll be given a key worker, mm. um, there'll be a healthcare service within the prison, talk to them. You know, they'll be able to signpost to services that, that may be able to help, whether it's bereavement counselling, the healing trauma course, a domestic violence freedom programme. So talk to the professionals. I'd say be cautious about other prisoners that you speak to, because, mm-hmm. you know, people could befriend you, take that information from you and then spread it around, you know. So mm-hmm. it's important to, to speak to professionals and people that are there to help. Yeah, so yeah. really reach out mm-hmm. and find out what services are available yeah. to to manage mm-hmm. whatever you need to manage. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose that thing about boundaries as well yeah. with other prisoners um, coming out of an environment where boundaries may not be very good, just managing yourself yeah. with other people. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the flip side of that question is. For family members, charity workers, parole officers or employers or anybody who is living with, working with or supporting ex-offenders who have survived trauma, uh, what advice would you give them? I think it's really important to take time for each person, Mm. treat each person as an individual, you know, find out their story, find out, Mm. you know, go back right back to the root of where things started going wrong, you know, Mm. find out about their childhood, etc. It's going to be difficult for these people that have experienced trauma to trust people. So to build a relationship is really, really important. I think um, everybody should be trauma-informed. Um, I'd also say it's, it's really important to not punish people for shouting out or 
um, you know, if they're being violent or they're misbehaving, etc. And I know it's not acceptable, but take a step back and look at them and just ask yourself why are they behaving like that? Like, what's happened for them to behave like that? Rather than locking them in a cell or constantly punishing, try and work with them. Mm. Yeah. So there's something about that trauma-informed space, the idea of of taking a step back, having empathy, mm-hmm. and trying to understand people's behaviour. If it feels erratic, if it feels um, unsafe, and f- what I'm getting from what you're saying is not excusing it and not saying it's okay, but approaching it with a sense of understanding yeah. where it's from. That's it's right. Really important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think challenge colleagues because. Yeah. I've often seen in prison, you, you have certain officers that almost come across as bullies, you know, yeah. and they're, they're our role models, you know. Yeah. Then you've got the really decent staff that yeah. are caring, they've got that sort of nurturing, kind, empathetic nature about them. I think, you know, they should stand up and challenge the people that aren't treating people humanely yeah. and trying to understand them. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything you'd say specifically to... Uh, family members of prisoners or ex-offenders that they might need to understand or hear when supporting and managing their loved ones? I suppose, again, just listen. It's going to be frustrating. Um, You know, just take time, have patience Mm. and talk. You know, talk to them. But the listening thing is really important. Just to try and understand what they've been through, why they're behaving in the, the way they are. And if they have any concerns about family members that are in prison, there is always a safer custody line that they can call, mm. um, you know, to, to talk to an officer that should go and see the person mm. in person to make sure that they're okay and should be able to put support in place. Oh, wonderful. That call line, is that a general call line or is that specific to each prison? It's specific to each prison, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so they can go online yeah. and put the prison in. There should yeah. be a number if you've got any concerns about a relative or loved one that's in prison. Is there any work that you're doing or work that you know is being done in prisons that you would like to promote or highlight or draw attention to from our listeners? Yeah, for, for me, it's, you know, I keep saying it's the healing trauma programme yeah. across the women's estate. It's available in each prison. Mm. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's, it's life-changing for me, personally. Mm. There's information online on mm. One Small Thing website, which is um, Lady Grosvenor's project. Mm-hmm. It's, it's worth having a look, having a read through, finding out a little bit more about the course. Mm-hmm. As well, sort of, I like to get involved in the trauma informed training mm-hmm. um, and the adverse childhood experience training that's um, done by Rockpool. Mm-hmm. I completed that facilitation training just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of talking to probation services about you know rolling it out for young offenders, but it's very, very interesting. Okay. It's, it's an amazing course, yeah. Amazing, thank you very much. So it's for one small thing website yeah. where people can find out about the healing trauma program, yeah, and that should be across definitely women's prisons, yes. Um, so yes. thank you. I'll very just much. add to that as well. Oh, yes. Stephanie Covington, she's done the research in America yes. and she's working closely with Lady Edwina Grosvenor, um, with putting this all into place in women's prisons. So her research is, is a really good read, yeah. Amazing. So yeah. we can Google her research. Is yeah. it publicly available? It is, yeah. 
Fantastic. Kelly, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting meeting you. Thank you. Back to Catherine in the studio. So we've looked at some of the challenges that come from living with trauma on a day-to-day basis. And now I wonder if we can perhaps look together at some of the things that help us cope. It's important to remember that everyone will find different things helpful while goat yoga and Lindy Hop nights may be useful for one person. They may be an absolute nightmare for another. Also, of course, one thing may help to cope one day, but not help the next. So it can be really helpful to have a list of different resources that you can draw on in different situations and and different settings as well. So whether you're alone at home or on public transport or in social situations that then may become unhealthy for you. So over to the panel. What things help you manage day to day? I would say, ideally, if we're still talking about also while you're in prison, um, handling your day to day, I would say exercise. There's like this pole that I don't know why it's so big in the room. People like I never knew what it was for, but I started using it for exercise. So I'll do like step in and, and like bench press with it and stuff. <laughs> like literally, I was like massive when I came out of jail. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? I'm like the same size. Like, Brendan, your arms are like three people's arms. Like, don't, what the hell? Did you eat the old you? Like, it was, it was crazy. But <laughs> so exercise is a, is a big one. But obviously, I'm now a poet and never before I went to jail was I like oh yeah I'm a poet I guess it's because you never really have time to sit down like you're always everything out here is just fast you just you gotta be here you gotta do this you gotta just rush here you got an appointment everything is so quick whereas in jail you're just you and those four walls so even in jail I didn't really call it poetry I literally was like I'm gonna write this down because that girl wants to beat me up and I want to say all this stuff to her but I can't because then they'll take away all my privileges so I'm just gonna write it all down so I'd write really angry stuff and then really like sad stuff and that um and I found that actually when I got out, it was something that I used more and more, even though I was still like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a poet. It's just just the little words. Don't worry about them. Um, so I would say when you're having a bad day, if you're out here, like, you know, get a piece of paper, write down how you're feeling. And in that moment, don't judge yourself. Like, I think when you're writing, that's just for you. You don't have to share it with anybody. Write down exactly how you're feeling. When you write them, don't ever throw them away because a week later you can look at that and I kid you not it would be like the most best therapy that you can ever have for yourself is free um (laughs) like read it like there's times when I wrote some stuff and a week later I would read it and I'll be like oh my god Brenda you were so angry oh my god like why Brenda why so angry and then there's times when I read it back and I'm like Brenda you're actually hilarious like what's wrong with you like you know what do you do in like these like you're not in prison anymore what's wrong with you like so there's little ways that you can kind of cheer yourself up without having to pay loads of money without you know paying to go to the gym even in your house you can do like little exercises like listen it's not that hard do a couple of sit-ups do a couple of like push-ups you know if you can just do what you can like without spending so much money and yeah, maybe try to eat some vegetables and stuff. I'm really getting onto the trying to be healthy. <laughs> Don't quote me on that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down, then next week you'll be like, "What have I?" <laughs> literally, that'll be one of the ones I laugh about. Like, oh, you, you want to eat vegetables, do you, Brenda? Mm, big plate of meat. <laughs> in my in my particular case, I mean, I I would replace this um, doing the exercise with I did a little bit of exercise. <laughs> <laughs> in prison but i became the chapel orderly really? and i i i really got into the faith side and I'm, I'm i'm not preaching any particular faith here or anything but what it did do it 
it gave me a group of people who were able to share things and in a fairly safe environment. And I did I did an alpha course and stuff like that. It was always of getting out, out of your uh, <laughs> yeah, rooms. So that was the good thing, and that was what that was about, really. Yeah. But it was it gave a sense of camaraderie. So that was my coping with that trauma, and I and I and it was really good. And it wasn't about crime it wasn't about what we were there for it wasn't mm. about other trauma that we'd had in life it was just about that it was nice mm-hmm. to talk about something else faith is a really strong it thing is, like, you know it's not like it you can don't move have, mountains i mean it, it, is, it is very very personal and and this isn't us telling yeah. you what to do yeah, or believe but it is <laughs> it's just a way of of being around kind people and actually people. Yeah. it's having mm. some kindness yeah. because most people there are not kind or they're just they're just not interested in other yeah. people at all so but you talk to a chaplain and pretty much i mean there will obviously be exceptions but they're they're, yeah. they're, they're mm. kind and i think that sometimes that as a little kindness goes a long way just with a that little bit of kindness. Yeah. yeah yeah just very yeah. humanity like yeah it reminds you that you are human and they I, I certainly my experiences was they treated me as a complete equal yeah in yeah. every way yeah oh, thank you guys so to finish off the podcast, we are going to introduce a new segment. And the idea of it is that we, all of us, including me and Catherine, um, pick one thing that the listener can go away. They can Google it. They can look it up. Um, they can stream it. It's either a book, just one song, just one thing that probably most people can access right now so completely randomly i'm going to choose somebody who's not me to start uh brenda Um, (laughs) a song a box set a book whatever okay so box set this is going to sound really bad because um we're talking about prison but like orange is the new black has (laughs) (laughs) it is i I can't i watch so many like you know prison shows or documentaries and and whatever and i talk a long time to watch Orange because I was like, Brenda, you should be what I'm like, what? Because I've been to Josh, she watched Orange is a new black man. I'm not doing it. Like, I don't want it. Like, <laughs> um, but then I watched it and I was like, oh my gosh, like there has never really been a show that has highlighted exactly how I felt when I was in prison. The storylines, um, you know, the way that they captured each woman's identity in that hmm. in that show. It's amazing because what they do is they then go back. You don't really Usually you hear that person went to jail. You never find out why, how, what they, who they were before that. It's just they are, like you were saying, an ex-offender. That's it. That's who they are now. And actually in this show, they actually really go deep. And it's literally one of those shows that I have like, I think I've got about four or five episodes left in the last ever season. And I've been saving them because I'm like, I don't want you to end. Catherine? I think when things are difficult for me I tend to go back to childhood books because when I read books as a child they were an escape Um, I could immerse myself in them and I have the same sort of feeling as an adult if I can just immerse myself in a book so um, if things are really bad so the the worst things are the younger the book needs to be Um, (laughs) and so on a really bad day I will go back to Beatrix Potter because it's just all pictures with a really simple story and there's always a happy ending. And alongside my Beatrix Potter um, love is if you look up Audrey the Rescue Hedgehog in Google Images, she is just the best hedgehog. Audrey, do it. (laughs) 
That's think. a challenge yeah. for everybody, I think. Uh, Steve, you better go next because <laughs> I, I I've got something to, to Google. That, actually. <laughs> um, I suppose um, book-wise, um, the one I read and reread and read and reread is uh, it's called Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet by Jamie Ford. And it's about the it sounds really depressing the japanese internment camps in the second world war but it's a story of unbridled love and unbridled hope and i just really and it always a, makes me cry but b it's it's not it's not sad it's mm. not what it sounds like it's actually this lovely lovely story um I think film-wise, I'm going to go right back to the sort of 1930s and watch. I would always put on a, a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers hmm. film because they're just sure pure joy, and I would, that's what I would put on. Excellent, excellent. I suppose mine, recently I've, I've been needing to find that extra boost of energy, and I've been waking up and I've been... I, I need to be at least on an eight and I've been waking up on barely a two. Um, and so my similar to Catherine going back, but I, I don't go back to childhood. I go back to the nineties. Um, so I've been sort of Googling like my Wu-Tang Clan t-shirts and camo trousers and stuff like that. Um, but replaying all the questionable music from the nineties. And I found an old CD from a band called the Ruka Salts. Who were a Chicago rock band? Yeah, I know. Uh, Brenda's making a face. Um, Chicago '90s band, um, like a girl rock band, and they've got a song called "Volcano Girls." And I realised that this song was the song that could get me from barely a two to like an eleven, because I was walking down the road singing the backing vocals out loud oh. now the song doesn't have any backing vocals <laughs> but i had made up my own backing vocals and i was like i'm getting to work and yeah it's works a charm every time so i'm gonna Veruca leave it veruca salts uh, volcano girls is a song um just so that isn't the last thing uh, we do at the podcast um brenda uh we've known each other a while and i I know you as Brenda, but I also know you as Lady Unchained. Yes. Who's Lady Unchained and can you give us a little demo? Do you know what? Lady Unchained is basically the woman that came out of prison. So when we talk about identities, I went in as Brenda, um, confused and angry. And I came out as Brenda. But Lady Unchained came with me. She was basically my backbone. She was the one that was writing all those little notes to me, saying it's going to be okay. She's Lady Unchained and she's a poet. And, you know, I say this all the time. I'm like, who knew you could go to prison and come out as an artist? Like, ha, ah, ah, ha, jokes on you, justice system. <laughs> I'm sure they're really, really, really upset about it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to do Rota Victory, perform Rota Victory for you based on the fact that. Vota Victory is kind of like one of the first pieces that I performed as Lady Unchained and it's kind of my journey going into prison and coming out and kind of like the little ups and downs that I had so yeah I'll do that piece. I await sentencing scared and confused but there's no praying if God loved me then I wouldn't be in this mess that's all I'm saying you're female with no previous you'll get off you've got this to stop fretting I hear my friend saying Yet my solicitor's voice rings aloud. You're looking at three to five, there's no doubt. 
So just make sure you pack a bag each time you take that stand. And still, I just can't quite understand. But the judge soon made it clear. He screamed, two and a half, take her away. Take me where I scream, but there's no sound. The water falls from my eyes, kiss my cheeks. Farewell to me trying to look hard. The life I once knew was no more. Shattered dreams of future plans all just taken in a flash. Dark shadows and angry voices in my head telling me this is the end. This is the end, Brenda, so just end it. I left a piece of me on that stand. I felt her leave as I began to walk down them steps. I swear I never even looked back. See, I had to free her from this journey that we was about to take because she was the me with the dreams and the ambition. She was the me who still had faith in the so-called justice system. She was the me who prayed. She was that 11-year-old girl who sang in Sunday choir. She was the me who wrote songs for Sunday school. She was the me who still cared about life. And all she was going to do was hold me back with her dreams of the life that we once had and dreams I knew were just a thing of the past. Because where I was going, dreams are for the weak. Forget love, I need respect because I ain't trying to be no one's chick. Media perception of life behind bars playing through my head. Like an episode of prison's most shocking moments, my beautiful future was no more. And so I began my life behind bars, broken and defeated with no feelings. Days are long, nights are longer, weekend bang-ups feel like a lifetime. Eleven-year-old me, where are you? I need you, where are you? She returned to me in the form of a prayer. Not long now, girl, just stay strong. Pray to God and I promise you a better day. Pain and tears may be felt at night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Snap. It all of a sudden just made sense. See, this is the journey that was written for me to take, so I can teach my fellow brothers and sisters that it's not about anger, it's about peace. It's not about power, it's about grace. It's not about hatred, it's about love. These are the lessons I learnt whilst in prison so you don't have to go there to learn the same lessons. The choice is yours. I choose to be unchained. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. Thank Thank you. We're going to leave it there for this episode. A huge thank you to Steve and to Brenda, our guests, and to HMVS Recording Studio, and to Paul Chivers for making this happen. And a big thank you to our fabulously talented producer, Zita Zudek-Konak, who isn't here, so not so talented. No, she will edit that out, I'm sure. Uh, She'll forgive me anyway. Um, But she's really been instrumental in making the podcast possible. And lastly, a thank you to you for listening. So please subscribe and review the podcast. A mere five stars will do. And be sure to listen to the rest of the series. Thanks.